Radio Influence. The future is now. You've seen Chef Ryan Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. What's going on, everybody? It's Friday morning. It is, uh, it's, what do you call the Friday after Black Friday? I think it's the Friday after Black Friday. And that's where we are. We are uh, rocking and rolling. And if you guys are downloading this right now, I am, or listening to it right now, I am actually on, I'm actually on the Today Show right now, which is not the case because I'm actually recording this ahead of time. But it's a live recorded, and then it's streamed or whatever. We, I, I'm super. I'm still trying to figure it all out. This is super weird. But anyway, that makes absolutely no sense to you guys, and we're good. But guess what? It's it's Friday, so it's episode number thirty-seven of Duffified Live, and I'm super stoked this week because I have a really fun guest that I've been dying to talk to for a long time. But before we get into all that stuff, um. Let's do uh, let's do kind of a little recap. You know, I mean, Thanksgiving just happened and everybody was out there and everybody's running around like maniacs. And I had crazy, crazy questions coming through um, about some stuff. I, I got to dress as a unicorn on Fox. So if you followed uh, any of the stuff that I did uh, last week, pre Thanksgiving, um, you saw that I dressed as a unicorn. Uh, it was National Pajama Day the day before Thanksgiving. And my good friend, uh, Jen Frederick over at Fox TV had said, Bri, hey, I just want to let you know, like tomorrow's uh, uh, National Pajama Day and we're all going to wear pajamas. So if you want to wear them and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going all in. I'm going all in on this one. So I uh, woke my daughter up at 6 a.m. and I was like, hey, Fee, uh, where's the unicorn? And she uh Dad, it's uh, what time is it? Do I have to, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. We're good. You you're good. you don't have to wake up for another hour and a half. Um, where's the unicorn? And uh, she's like, oh, it's in my closet. So I'm like, you know, I'm I'm like climbing through her closet. I'm like climbing Everest to find shit in that in that hole over there. And uh, so I get the unicorn. I grab all my stuff. I drive into the city. Walk into Reading Terminal. Which, if you've never been to Reading Terminal, I'm telling you, it is a, it is a sight to be seen. Uh, in Philadelphia, uh, there are food vendors in every single little corner. Uh, there's like six rows of just awesome food across the board from chocolate to cheesesteaks to Jewish delis to uh, turkey places to hot roast pork to God, I'm getting hungry and I'm drinking a smoothie right now that I bought fruit on the street. So it's probably loaded with chemicals and antibiotics and hormones and I'm going to feel like shit in 20 minutes. But uh but it's a really, really cool venue, and it's one of the oldest food markets in the country. Um, it's kind of a neat space to get into, and, and every now and then I get to do really cool shows down there. And one of the coolest parts about it is uh, the fact that it's total Philly, 100% Philly across the board. Um, I was shooting a pilot for a TV show about a year and a half ago, and, and I will never forget this. I was working with a bunch of Canadian producers uh, who, who hired me for this show to do this pilot. And I'm, I'm doing what's called a walk and talk. So I'm walking down an aisle and it's a little monologue that I have to do um, about, you know, fanatics and, and how uh, how how sporting events create crazy uh, fanatics when it comes to food. And, and all of these amazing venues 
uh, these sporting arenas are, are really upping their game when it comes to food because, one, we're in a total food culture at this point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading right now this crazy website called Food Beast, which I actually really like. There's a lot of great news on here. But one of the cool parts about, about uh, the show was talking about all this. So I had to do this little walk and talk. And it was probably about, I don't know, maybe 60 feet that I had to walk and do my monologue and have my conversation about why I was in Philly and what it is that we're going to be doing. And, and, and I'm walking and it's live. I mean, there's people on all sides of me and this guy literally stops and there's, there's, uh, it's me and I'm facing a camera. So there's a huge camera and a camera guy and an audio guy next to him. And the producer is standing next to him. So there's three guys in front of me about three and a half to four feet away from me. And they're walking backwards and they're facing me. So imagine this, you see, you know, me walking down through Reading Terminal, there's cameras in front of me. What is the absolute last thing you, you, what is the absolute last thing that you would do? Well, if you're in Philly, the absolute last thing that you would not do is step in front of the camera and start to have a conversation with the guy who is talking. So I'm walking out. I'm like, yeah, we're welcome to Philly. We're doing this. We're at the Reading Terminal Market. And this guy steps in between me and the camera and and just looks at me. And he's like, yo, what are you guys doing today? Are you taping a TV show? Is this for Bar Rescue? Are you guys doing another Bar Rescue in Philly? I'm like, no, we're doing another show. And so now I back up and I walk back because now my cold train of thought is gone. I've got to start the process over again. And I walk down and the same dude comes back in. And stands in front between me and the camera. And I even said, like, yeah, we're taping here. It's a live thing. Like, I'm getting ready to rock and roll. And the guy's like, oh, that's pretty cool, man. And he kind of – and I'm like, all right. So, we, you know, it's nice meeting you. And I step back. I walk back 10 feet. I start to walk forward again. The guy hops in front of the camera again. And he was like, so where am I going to see this? Uh, is this going to be on TV? Where do I get to watch it? How do I get to do this? So it was so funny to – kind of listen uh, or to watch that little bit of Philly happen. And that's what terminal, the Reading Terminal Market's like. Um, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're a city of food, man, and we've got great history and great culture, but Reading Terminal Market is a really cool place, and to be able to shoot down there is really cool as well. Um, I was with Jen. I was at Iovine's uh, Brothers Produce, which is this super cool produce company that's inside of the market. They take up an enormous share of space down there, and they just blow through food. Um, they now have a whole smoothie thing. It's really kind of cool. It's really neat what they do. They juice and do all that too, but they have all this great produce that they use. Um, and then as uh, while we were down there, it was my buddy Chad Rosenthal who's been on the show in the past. He's an amazing barbecue guy out here. Um, he and I got to play around, and, and whenever he and I get together, it's just pure debauchery. We just get in trouble. Um, and then you put us on TV, and we're just going to get in even more trouble no matter what we do. So, um, But it, it was just a really cool thing, and it was kind of fun to do with Jen Fred. Um, she's a good friend and I, and I just, you know, I want to produce something really cool for her whenever we're on air together. And she just kind of lets me do my thing. And then to put Chad and I together, it was really cool. And then, so I posted a picture, uh, right after the show of these two absolutely stunning steaks. Um, they were a dry aged beef, uh, ribeye that I get from Haltemans food, which is a really nice market down there. I don't buy them all the time because of the fact that they're $33 a pound. I mean, it's a really expensive steak. 
But there are times when I, I want to buy a super high-quality steak that I want to cook myself. I don't want somebody else to do it for me. Um, I have a process for cooking a ribeye that I love that I'll show you guys another day. I'll do, a, I'll do a video for it. But one of the things that was so funny was the fact that uh, people were, were giving me shit because of the fact that I was paying $33 a pound for steaks. Now, these were easily inch and a half cut or thick cut steaks. They were beautiful. They were probably 16, 18, maybe 20 ounces a piece. I don't even know. And I'm not going to talk about what the cost of it was because it really doesn't matter. But what it came down to is that people were giving me shit because, oh, well, it must be nice to be able to afford a steak like that. Well, look, here's the world that I live in. I pay for quality. Okay. I pay for a quality steak. Don't give me shit because I wanted to because I wanted to have a really nice steak. I'm sorry that it's not a $4.99 a pound steak from the local grocery store, which, hey, look, it, it, there's nothing wrong with that world. I, I don't have a problem with it. There are times when when I just want to get my beef on and I'm good and, and, and I will do that. But there are other times where I want to get my fucking beef on and I want to have a sick, dry aged ribeye and I want to pay for that steak and I don't have a problem for it. I don't have a problem with it. I don't feel bad. I don't have any issue whatsoever. But do me a favor. Don't give me shit because I wanted to buy a really nice quality piece of meat. I'm totally cool with that. I'm good. I don't have a problem with it. I love a good steak. Just as you guys are going out to dinner and, and doing all that and dropping a couple hundred beans here or there to go out and do it, there's nothing wrong with that. For me, I like to buy a big, nice, fat piece of steak. So let's do something really quick before we get our guest in here. Um, I'm I'm reading this Food Beast, which is really a cool site. It's called thefoodbeast.com. Um, it's a nice little website as well. There's a lot of good stuff, a lot of good information on here, a lot of food news, um, which I, I really like. I mean, there's some pretty cool things on here. Um, the, the, the last Thanksgiving Pringles set is being auctioned off right now. What the hell is this? Before Thanksgiving, the Food Beast crew got to sample a set of Thanksgiving Pringles that are currently being tested and unavailable to the public. This is by a guy named Constantine Spyru, S-P-Y-R-O-U. While that was the case, the potato chip purveyor is now auctioning off the last Thanksgiving Pringles set, so there's actually a chance for you to try them. One of them tastes like turkey. One tastes like stuffing. One tastes like mashed potatoes. And it says on the box that there's eight delicious flavors inside. The set of chips is being auctioned off on eBay by the No Kid Hungry campaign as part of Giving Tuesday. Eight different Thanksgiving flavors are in the set, including including turkey, mac and cheese, gravy, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, cream corn stuffing, green bean casserole, and pumpkin pie. That's a riot. Hold on. We got to get uh, we got we got Eddie on the phone here. What's up, brother? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? How are you, sir? I can. We're actually going to we're actually going to call you. So that oh, okay. we have an awesome connection, but but everybody, this is Chef Eddie G, who's on his phone. Listen to that horrible connection. <laughs> uh, do you have any um, info you want to give me so I can get to my PR firm? So that oh yeah yeah no we'll 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 take care of all that. I'm actually recording live right now, so we have you. Uh, you're t- actually talking on air, so I will we'll call you back in just a couple minutes, and we'll get you right on, brother. All right, dude. Sounds great. I'll be here. See you in a bit, dude. Bye-bye. Right. So this is what I mean, guys, when I say that this show is live. Like I, I, I literally record. We try to bang it all out in one straightforward episode where we call people back and 
and we do that. Um, it, it's just the nature of the business. It's what I want to do. It's the way that I like to do the show. The producers that I work with from Radio Influence with Jerry and Jason are awesome. Um, you know, they do everything, including spell the word restaurant right. I mean, it's like these guys are super on point. They know absolutely everything that they're going to do. Um, and and I just trust them. Uh, we do the show straight through. Uh, we rarely, if ever, have any edits at all uh, because, one, there's no reason to. And, two, what we talk about is what we talk about. So, okay. So here's where we are. I'm just going to finish this real quick before I before I get Eddie uh, on the phone. Um, the set of chips is being auctioned off on eBay. You get all these different flavors. Some definitely stand out others. And then all of the proceeds from the auction go to benefit No Kid Hungry. So um, And Pringles will also match the final amount up to five grand. So that's really cool. Um, it's already live on eBay, and it closed at 11 p.m. on November 30th which is tomorrow, which is Wednesday. So it'll be over and done by that point. But it's kind of cool. This is a great little site. If you guys get a chance, go and check out Food Beast. Um, they don't sponsor me or anything yet, but uh, they have a nice website. I, I really like it. There's a lot of really cool information on here. So uh, that's pretty wild. Awesome. Okay. So everybody do me a favor. So I have um, I have a great amount of friends. I have really, really cool people kind of in my circle that I live and work with and do all of that. And a couple months ago, I met this dude uh, at a food show that I did in Philly um, uh, called the Taste Event. And and it was a really weird day for me. It was the day that my father had passed. I still had a, uh, you know, I still had an obligation despite the family emergencies that we were in. I still had an obligation to perform, to go and be on stage and do my demo and G love was there. And, and it was just a really kind of awesome uh, setting for a really long, really tough day. But my mother said to me, Bri, make sure that you go. She's like, don't you have to leave? And I said, mom, I think I'm going to call and cancel. I, I can't really do the demo. And she's like, your father would have wanted you to do it. You should go do it. There's nothing that we can do now. And, and she was absolutely right. You know, the life goes on. We all move. My, my father had passed. And it was uh, it was a weird day. It was a really tough day for my entire family. And it's still been a tough couple of months or a tough month. But but we move on and we do our thing. Um, and I had to go do that show. But I remember meeting this guy. His name was Eddie G. And he's a chef. He's been around for a long time. He does food events all over the world. And I, I just what a dynamic individual was kind of what I thought about every time that I spoke to him. And we've texted back and forth. We ended up going out to dinner. Uh, that night and just laughed, just laughed. And that's kind of how I feel about this dude. He's a very dynamic individual. He's a really good guy. And we're going to call him real quick. So everybody do me a favor. Uh, welcome to the show, Chef Eddie G. What's up, brother, man? How are you? How are you? I'm good. See, there's that New York accent that I miss so much. Well, it's so funny because it usually comes out if you hear certain words like coffee or where do you, where do you keep your, where do you keep your, where do you keep your, your underwear? That is hilarious. Somebody just asked me that the other day. Okay. With all these, you're in the same routine. We do 40, <laughs> 30, 40 food and wine festivals a year. Yeah. I'm in a hotel room, you know, 150 days, 200 days a year. It's crazy. So where is my, right now it's in the duffel bag sitting next to me in New York city. So I'm here till tomorrow. I go to Vegas this weekend. 
And then I, uh, I'm in Miami for uh, Christmas and New Year's. And then I'm at the Rose Bowl. I'm the culinary ambassador at the Rose Bowl this year out in Pasadena, California. Oh, dude, that's awesome, man. Very nice. Well, so, be, well, so first off, where do you, okay, when you're home, where do you keep your clothes? In New York City, I guess, is probably the, you know, New what York is the City. Vessel? I a, What's the vessel that you hold them in? What, what do I keep? I, a what's drawer. It, what's it it's in? a drawer. <laughs> is it clean or is it dirty? It's in a drawer. <laughs> it doesn't. It's in a laundry basket, I guess. All right. So, because here's my thing. So, my ex girlfriend, oh, but no. uh, it, uh, my ex girlfriend used to keep her stuff in a drawer. Oh, I see the word see, you're trying to get out of me. My joke wasn't coming through, Eddie. See, my joke wasn't coming through. Hold on for one draw. second. In my draw. In the draw. Okay, good. We're back on track now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we're back on track. I thought you were going. I thought you were going down the traveling route. That's no, the route I was I not. I was not. I was staying away. I have been home for like a week and a half, dude. I'm super happy about. Wow. That. Wow, so, hey, awesome. before we before we get nutty and before we start getting into topics or talking or any of that stuff, why don't you do me a favor? Tell everybody how they can find you, how they can get involved, all that stuff. Everything I do is Chef Eddie G. E-D-D-I-E and then the letter G for Eddie Gallagher. So I do Chef Eddie G. I've had that brand for a little over 10 years. My my third or fourth restaurant. My first few restaurants were Gallagher's. Uh, my oh, next I... few restaurants were Chef Eddie G's. So that's, that was the transition. So everything from the only thing that's not is Twitter is Eddie G Chef, but everything else is Chef Eddie G. So it's so, Instagram. Does somebody else have Chef Eddie G on Twitter? Well, it's weird. It's weird. It's a chef down in Florida who doesn't even use it. He has one follower. So my PR ass- team's trying to get that out of him. So at some point, I think we'll have it. So, so we, but, need, um, we need everybody who listens to the show right now on Twitter to go to uh, Twitter and you need to tag um, Eddie G Chef. And then you also have to tweet to Chef Eddie G. No, don't do that. Because if you do that, then he'll be like, I want a hundred grand, you know? Right. It'll become more expensive than that, uh, <laughs> that domain. That's for sure. It's, yeah. it's weird because I've always been involved and I, I know you have too in social media, but now it's weird having people like I have one uh, PR firm uh, in New York, uh, Visit Al Barrio, that group. It's, I'm really close friends with Jeremy and his group. And they kind of help me with the Instagram side of stuff. And then I have the Maverick group out in Los Angeles on the West Coast that does my Twitter stuff. So it's really weird because people are like, wow, that's kind of cool. And did you post that? You know, they know what my voice is and what my voice isn't on Twitter or social media. So it's kind of cool, you know. So, But I try to keep on top of everything, my content, my pictures and all that stuff. And like you with the live culinary events that we do and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's an absolute riot, you know. So I, love, I can't, I can't I do it. That. I can't do it. No. I, don't, I, I don't want, I, I just, I have such a voice with what I do. And it's so funny because I, I realized it a, a while, while, while back, about three years ago, I have a separate Twitter account that I talk about, but nobody knows what it is. It's a secret account. I talk shit on there. Uh, I, when I was single, I used to talk about, you know, dates that I had gone on or people that I had met. And if I didn't like somebody, I talk shit about them. That was my location to do that. That was my forum to be able to do that. And I had posted something and somebody had said to me, you 
tweet just like Chef Brian Duffy does. <laughs> and I didn't reply to that person. And I blocked that person from the account. And I realized at that point how important it was that I, you, that I, I have my own voice. So I, I can't, and I always said like, you know, I just, I need to do it by myself and I love doing it by myself. I like the relationships. I like the communication, you know, I meet really, really cool people that way. Yeah. I think what it does, believe it or not, especially on the Twitter side of stuff, which you'll see with this, is it just open, it opens the ripple up quicker. If you have help, you know, yeah. if my pictures, I email pictures or tag, and then I make the initial and then that ripple effect takes off over social media. So I think it, it helps and it also frees you up to do other stuff because on top of the traveling and all that, we also have to coordinate food service, which I was just doing before you and I got on the phone with each other. So right. you have to obviously get in touch with your sponsors, Tyson um, Foods, you know, Cisco, how's the food getting to here? So it's not just what we do you know, getting on a plane into the, checking into the hotel, you know, having to deal with social media. It's also coordinating food service and, and staff and all that, you know, so, so there's so much that goes into what we do, you know? Well, so how many, how many play, how many restaurants do you have right now? Right now I have not one. I, I've owned five in my career. I okay. hate to say it because I tell everybody I'm 28 years old and right. that's getting and really hard. It's getting hard to stay with that, with that line of thought. I've been <laughs> in the restaurant industry 38 years. It'll be 39 next month. So, well, or right so into the new year. How old, how old are you? I'm 51. I'll be 52. No shit. Years old. Dude, you yeah, look crazy. good. You look good. Yeah. Well, you know, I've had a clean life. I try to hit the gym often and you know, it's weird too, because 10 years ago, I started the filming side of stuff with the Food Network with Coast to Coast Cuisine. As I started in that realm, I realized quickly that I was going about it the wrong way. I knew instantly that it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do. So what I did was I kind of backtracked a little as I did all of these culinary events, 30 a year, and like you do. And I started filming uh, local food and local like things that I was passionate about travel to Russia to Poland to Belarus to Spain to all the islands of the Caribbean learning about their food and filming that and as that started to develop with producers that I've been great friends with and I've had an unbelievable team which you and I have talked about you know of just great people around me locavore came about so it's locavore and then the locavore life is what just transpired but to get to you with the restaurant side of stuff, it was so difficult to get back to New York City after these events and to kind of straighten out the mess, get back on the line, and then to start cooking again, and then to, again, back out on the road. And it was really, really difficult for everybody involved. So I took my event planning company that I've had for the number of years, and I took the filming production side of stuff, and I merged them together uh, about three months ago, and it's called Intoxicating Productions. So we do everything that. from event planning to to filming wherever I go and all that stuff. So, dude, so it it's was just been it's a blast. It was. I'll tell you. So I opened my place uh, December last year, and uh, and I was very very straightforward with my partners in in the process of opening, and because I originally was going to get involved just as a consultant. And I had said to these guys, like, look, my travel schedule is maniacal. Okay. I'm, and just to give you an idea, like this year, right now, I'm 80,000 miles in the air. Okay. 
I have flown 80,000 miles in 10 months. All right. That's a tremendous amount of time to spend up in the air. And, and, I, and this was after opening a restaurant. You know, I, I flew home two days before opening and I flew out two days after opening. So, you know, it's a tough world to be in. And people say to me all the time, like, why did you sell the restaurant? Why did you sell your shares or your portion of the restaurant and your name? And basically what I did was I, I you know, I kind of walked away from the project. I, I had to because I was not there. I was I was telling people I was selling a Brian Duffy experience with my food. I was selling a Brian Duffy experience with the service that I pride myself on and I pride my my client's success on. And it wasn't happening. It just was not happening. I ended up having to bring in a management company to come in and manage the property. And, you know, I mean, and I'll just say it straightforward. It was it was MBB management and they were one of the biggest mistakes that I made was bringing a company like that into the process. They were that bad. Um, and and, and for, had, I, I, go ahead. I had opportunities to have partners involved, but it, it just none of the partnerships made sense to all the other stuff that I was doing. And I think you probably had the same exact situation is, you know, you want your food produced your way. And it's almost like a situation. And I say this all the time where give me the situation where there's a restaurant in existence. We could put my name on it, whatever the name that we call it. But when I come in, everything's done consistent, blah, blah, blah. And then bam, I'm on, I'm back on the road. You know, and that's, that's where, that was where the problem lied was the fact that I put, I had a, I had a chef who I'd worked with for years who was good, but he just, he became lazy, you know? And, and for me, I had to get rid of him. I, I had to get rid of him. I had to get rid of the manager I had to get rid of assistant managers. And it was just, nobody could execute because nobody really truly got what it is that we were trying to do. And my first GM, I've talked about it in the past. I spent six weeks with this guy talking with him and he was a consultant prior to coming on board. And you know, he ended up in jail the day after we opened, went to jail the day after we opened, dude. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. I think there's a warrant out for his rest right now for some shit that he did in the restaurant. But you and again, we're in the same position and we talk about this when we're together too, is you got to protect your brand. Mm -hmm. You can't have a situation like a Guy Fieri had in New York City where there, whatever happened, poorly executed menu, whatever you want to say, but you can't have a situation where your brand is putting out bad reviews based on your name when you're Every not, day. when you're in, you know, at the Las Vegas Food and Wine Festival or filming Every in on the- single day. You're exactly right, dude. You're exactly right. Right. And if it's not your name, that's, that's a whole nother story. You know, if it's, if it's, you know, whatever you call the place Gato or whatever, that's fine to a degree, but still your name is still associated Attached. with that place because of Yelp and Google and, and everything else. So it is so difficult for us as restaurateurs because it's in my blood, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it every day, but to get back into that world, it has to be the perfect scenario if you're going to continue the filming and the live culinary events annually. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, there is this weird kind of world where a lot of people think that it's, it's, you know, what we do is super glamorous, which get, don't get me wrong, dude. It's a lot of fun, man. I mean, I love the travel aspect of it. I love the meeting people, but we still have responsibilities that we have to take care of at home. And for me, that was the big thing. I mean, every time that I would go out, there would be, a chef Brian Duffy, you know, here's his property. Here's this. And if I saw one more time, the place needed to be bar rescue. Yeah. 
that that infuriated me. You right, know, that infuriated right. so that's me. That's not your brand, right? You're associated exactly. with it, but it's not your brand, right? And then I, I have, I mean, I I had other properties that I had to buy my, I had to buy my name back, or I basically had to buy them, have them buy me out of my contracts because of the fact that they were just, they were just not executing. I've pulled my name off of menus. I've pulled my name off of walls. I've pulled my name off of front windows. It, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to get the contract signed and it's easy to get the money for it up front. And then the next thing you know, they're executing at a shitty level and you've got to get your name off of it fast. Absolutely. And, and that's, I think that's the biggest thing to take from what we do is, you know, you hear it all the time, image management and control your content, you know, and those things I say to my group and they say it to me too, is image management and control your content. And no matter what the content, whether it's video content, you won't see too many of me taking videos off a cell phone and posting that somewhere. That's other chefs prerogative to do that. I prefer to have top quality. I'd like my production to be better than me. And, sure. and that's always what I look at. I always look at, is that production quality better than my, my, you know, whatever execution, you right. know, and, and you try to strive in that direction, you know, and yeah. you know, where you and I are so lucky. And again, we've talked about this is that we get to travel, meet great people. But the bigger thing is we get to learn something about a, a menu item or something that we've never seen. I, I did the Haiti food and wine festival last year, did a bunch of humanitarian work while I was there. I learned about like the John John mushroom. I had never cooked with that before. And then learning about kingfish and, and we went fishing and caught kingfish and all this stuff. And just the different um, menu items that you learn across the world that, that you've never heard of and people have never heard of. And I think that's the goal is to bring that into your mix, if you will, and then to share it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's one of the coolest parts that I, that I find with that, that portion, you know, I mean, watching you do your stuff when we, when we were hanging out in Lancaster, when we were hanging out in PA, you know, and then to have a group of us, you know, to have a group of chefs, me, you and Kev, you know, talking about uh, Kev Deshane, you know, sitting at, at, at Davio's in King of Prussia, you know, that night and all of us talking about food and having fun and laughing and, 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 and just that camaraderie that comes from that. And then what we learned from each other. You and I had a conversation this morning that that opened my eyes up to some stuff that I really haven't thought about, you know, because of the fact of where we are and what we do. I haven't thought about it. You know, I've been running my own brand and doing my own stuff. But having a conversation with you this morning, I made a couple of phone calls right after and said, hey, we need to kind of re we need to we need to, to look at what it is that we're doing for the brand of of Duffified and Duffified Live and 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 the stuff that I do. And we've got to have a conversation about it. You know, it's it's an ever evolving process. Yeah. And, you know, it, so many people want to help. So many people want Duffy to do good. They do. And yeah. I think in this world, most people are great people. You know, sure. I think there's a lot going on in this world. Now there's so much political nonsense and garbage Holy out there. Shit. But in our, in our world, the one thing that brings everybody together, if I'm in Russia or if I'm in Spain filming or if, no matter where I am or if I'm in an island, everybody needs to eat. So we all have that common denominator. And then if you go from there where people genuinely want to help you, want to, how can I help Brian Duff, you know, whether it's financially, whether it's, whether it's becoming a sponsor, whether sure. it's supporting what you do, because that's basically spon sponsors get us to travel and move around and, and not only expose our brand, but pair it with their brand, you know, right. 
So exactly. at the end of the day, that's that's where I think the greatness comes from. And people just wanna wanna help and wanna wanna learn. And I think it's just a great mixture. You know? Well, and it's I mean it's also it's it's not an easy world. You know, and a lot of people don't get that. I mean, they think, you know, I always talk about people say, it looks like you have the greatest job. You know, you get to travel, you get to eat, you get to meet awesome people. And I say, you know, by the time you see the post of my Grey Goose and Soda at 1145 at night, I've already been working for 14, 15, 16 hours. You know, I've already been at it. I've been in the kitchen all day long, or I've been speaking, or I've been taught, you know, or I've been educating, or I've been doing demos, or, I mean, I do stuff for GE, you know, I do a lot of stuff with General Electric on their side that I stopped for a couple of years and I'm starting back up again, but I do six shows, you know, six 25 to 30 minute shows, and I cook seven items during each show, you know, right? that's not yeah. an easy task. And then, and then when you're done. I've got to go out with the sponsors. I've got to go out boozing with the guys, you know, at the end of it, because look, uh, that's just the world that we're in. I've got to be there. I've got to be present. I've got to be communicating. And you go out to dinner with, you know, the, the execs from GE, you know, then that you're going out for drinks with those guys afterwards. You're not going home and going to bed because you've got to get back up the next morning. It's just not happening. So I got a, I got a great story for you in that regard. We were down at the uh, South beach food and wine festival this year. And, um, I'm not going to name chefs, but I was with a bunch of chefs and we were out and we were, we were, we, it wasn't even that They're late. all going, we're, thank God. <laughs> we were out, we were out and we were out and I'm getting feedback on the front. Yeah. We're losing you. Damn cell phones. Is that what it is? Myself? No, it's not, not mine. I don't think oh, mm-hmm. that's better. If, All right, if so just, you guys were, you guys were out. Where were you? So we were out in South beach after the food and wine festival, unbelievable experience. You know, however many people they have 250,000 people per uh, show. So we go out and where Jose Andreas was there and we had done some stage work and it was unbelievable. So anyway, so a couple of the chefs who were married or dating or whatever, left early 11 o'clock 10 o'clock at night left and i said you know what you might be making a mistake you know there's so much opportunity for business and you know not not clean stuff rated g stuff you know so i said you guys should hang out well we gotta go we're tired blah 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 they leave and at that jose andreas with bobby flay and and uh guy fieri show up with all kinds of sponsors and and nice people and food purveyors and whatnot and we went and had dinner with Jose Andres till two o'clock in the morning with bottles of wine and just really talking about, you know, his humanitarian work and what he does and all this stuff. And it was just amazing that these chefs, because they didn't stay out to add to your point, because a lot of our stuff, if we do start at six, seven o'clock in the morning, prepping, getting ready to serve five, 10, 20,000 people. Right. And then afterwards you're shot, you want to be done, but you know what? A lot of our work happens later in the evening where, you know, whatever, great conversations, opportunities. Exactly. Exist. So, it's, so it, I think those, like you said, the, it's a, it's a, it's a 20, you know, 18 hour day, 20 hour day, a lot of days we do this. So it looks glamorous. I will never forget. I did an event with uh, the, with the NFL and the James, uh, with the James Beard house and NFL. <clears throat> and they took five Philly chefs and sent us down to Dallas, Texas. 
and we were all like the super cool, like very nice, polite guys. And I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you, we, we walk into the hotel and it was one of those things like, you know what it's like. Every time you go to the hotel, they want your ID and your credit card. It's what it is. Very straightforward. I want your ID and your credit card. So I walk up, I hand it down to the woman and says, thank you so much. But everything is on us for this weekend. You don't have to worry about it. It's all been taken care of. All of your incidentals have been taken care of, every single part of it. So we go to the bar, five chefs. Only two of us have really ever met before, but the five of us were really meeting for the first time getting into the hotel. So we, everybody, hey, go up to your rooms, get changed, come back down, go right to the bar. We all go to the bar and we stand there, you know, hi, can I have five Budweiser's? And everybody's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. By Sunday morning, this is Friday afternoon. By Sunday morning, we had a, uh, we had a cordless phone out by the pool that was calling the kitchen directly. Can we get, <laughs> we need seven orders of chicken fingers and 12, you know, lemon drop shots. And I mean, it was just, it was such a riot. We ended up going to Pappas Brothers Steakhouse and getting kicked out of the restaurant. Kicked wow. out. They said, thank you very much for coming in. You guys need to leave. Because one of our publicists ended up throwing up on somebody else's table because she was trying Oh, to- that's tremendous. And that's like, <laughs> you know, it's like that's there you go. That's the game. Here's, that's here's, the, way- here's, have- here's the chefs. The chefs are here. That's for sure. We're breaking windows. But it's, it's wild because I've done the Super Bowl for the last eight years in a row, and I've become friends with a lot of ex-NFL players. And as you know, I'm a huge Giant fan, and we're having a miserable season. But Billy, I'm friends with my really good friends with Cecil Martin. We travel together, who's coming to the Super Bowl and the Rose Bowl with me. And also, I think I told you, Mark McMillan, who was your uh, Mighty Mouse back in the day. Oh, so, that's right. And- yeah, and he's out in Phoenix, so we're going to do some stuff together. So, you know, having that aspect of it, I know exactly what you're talking about around Super Bowls, the nuttiness that goes on, but we have to remain composed. I don't like being in a kitchen hungover when it's 128 degrees in a kitchen so and, and you have a hangover. That's not fun, you know, yeah. and when you're cooking for 10, 15, 20,000 people at the event, you know. Well, and that's the, I mean, and also a lot of people don't understand because of the fact that, you look, they've seen you on TV, they've seen you, they've heard you, they've watched you, they've eaten your food, they've, they've been out there, and they want to hang out with you. But the one thing that they don't get is the fact that while they're able to sleep the next day until four o'clock when they've got to show up and be on camera or be on air again, we're in the kitchen at five, six o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, we're starting again. Exactly. I mean, or you're going directly from the bar into the kitchen because you've got to get everything, everything covered. And it's sometimes it's a fun world, but other times I'm like, fuck, I just want to go to bed, man. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that too, because this is, I'm working with the same organizer as. Uh, the Super Bowl for the last two years, but uh, this is the first time I'm doing the Rose Bowl, and it's so funny because we were talking filming schedule the other day, and I said I would work around everybody. I said whatever it takes, I'll work around everybody. So New Year's Eve, I'm in the kitchen, the the makeshift kitchen, because a lot of times what they do is they bring in all the equipment, you know it, and it's a you know it's a a a, a mobile kitchen if you will, and I'm in that kitchen from nine o'clock at night on New Year's till two o'clock in the morning, I have that shift to cook, to get my stuff prepared for, um, for the Rose Bowl. So right. I, I, when I saw that schedule, I was like, yeah, that's typical of what we do. You know, <laughs> the glamorous, <laughs> it's so glad right. there won't be. A, and all the camera guys that would normally be doing those shots are in bed because you're in there from nine until 2 a.m. So and it's, I'm, uh, I'm sure you've realized that over the years, those are the great, you want, you think chefs are bad. Camera guys oh, are the most 
insane. And I'm talking to every single one of you that hears this now. None of you are exempt from this. Camera guys are the craziest guys. They blow kitchen guys out of the water yep, with their exactly. nuttiness and the stuff they do. You know, I had a camera guy jump out of a car. We were in Clearwater, Florida <laughs> filming and the guy wanted to get to a bar. He jumped out of a moving car to get to a bar. So just to have tell you, you how cool. have you ever been on the road and just been like, I'm in a bad situation right now. I need to get out of this situation. <laughs> I knew like it. 70, I it. 70, 70 images. Just you want to hear the cool. This is a really cool one. If we have a few minutes, I, I went over and I filmed in Russia, Poland, Belarus, and Ukraine, which is a straight line from uh, from Moscow back to New York. Almost a straight line. It does dip down towards Poland. And we had had this idea of going from Russia into Belarus, which is the next country, into Poland, down into um, Ukraine, and then coming back to film back to Moscow. And we were we flew from New York to Moscow. We landed at we flew out at like whatever ten o'clock at night. We landed at like nine o'clock in the morning. So we had all day to film in Moscow before our train was leaving at about midnight. Before midnight to head to Belarus. So we were filming in and around Red Square, and I was like, well, this really doesn't feel right. Like, people knew that we were Americans or non-Russians, and everybody was watching us, not with, like, uh, what are these guys doing, more like a get-out-of-our-country type thing. But we got on the train, and when we got on the train, all the camera guys, translators, all that, we, you know, and everybody fell asleep. They become like sleeping cars, almost like cubby holes. So we're sleeping. Three o'clock in the morning, I wake up. And I got to use the bathroom. And one of the things, the trains, when they're in a station, the bathrooms are closed because what they do on the trains and out there is they just open up the hatch and whatever you waste goes onto the tracks. So when it's in the train station, stop, they close the bath, they lock the bathrooms. So I have to go, I'm standing there and it's like three o'clock in the morning. I'm in pretty much, let's just say underwear or shorts and nothing else. So I... I get off the train and I'm looking and it's foggy, typical Russia feeling. I'm somewhere between Moscow and Belarus. So somewhere in that thousand to 2000 mile stretch, I'm in the middle there. I look and I look down and I see about a football field away. I see some guys all talking in a circle. So I said, all right, I got to make a run for it. Use the bathroom. So I run and straight, I start using the bathroom and I'm like, if this train leaves, how much trouble am I in? I'm in underwear in somewhere in Russia with no cell phone, no money, no passport, no language skills of theirs at all. And I, that was a bad, uh, that was probably one of the worst situations travel wise I've ever been. Really? Go ahead. Give me, give me yours. Let me hear yours. (laughs) I was in a nondescript city and I was uh, out with a couple of people that I had met at the bar that night. So we worked, we opened up a property, ended up going out with a bunch of guys. And one of the guys is like, well, let's go to the casino. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's go to the casino. I think I was in Cincinnati. And, uh, and I remember being on the road and it was me. It was this dude in the front driving another guy. I was in the, in the, in the front passenger seat and there were two two guys and a girl in the back seat of the car and the guys driving on the highway. And I don't know why we were on a highway because we weren't really that far from the casino. He said, it's about eight. He's like, it's, oh, it's like eight, 10 minutes away. So 
we hop on the onto the highway and I'm like, why are we on the highway? And he's like, well, there's too many cops on the back roads. So we're going to take the highway. So this guy punches it. He's doing a shit, dude. It was like 55, 65, 75, 85, 95. He hits a hundred. And I'm like, dude, yo, yo, brother, slow down. He's like, I got this brother. Don't worry about it. I'm like, slow the fucking car down. And he's like, come on, man. And now everybody's kind of joking around the girl in the backseat, like breaks out a joint. They're smoking weed. Um, you know, and I'm like, everybody needs to back the, I'm like, dude, you got to slow down. So finally he starts, he's going faster, like kind of joking around taunting in a way. And I'm look at him, like pull the fucking car over right now, pull the car over, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just playing around, you know, blah, blah, blah. We bought I'm like, pull the fucking car over. He pulls the car over in the middle of the highway. The car hadn't even gotten to a stop yet. I get out of the car. I slam the car door closed. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. He takes off and I'm standing there and I called an Uber guy. Uber picks me up on the highway. I literally, it was just like, and it's funny because I have, I, you know, I've taken a lot of the shit that I've learned of being on the road and, and I've, I've, I've had to kind of turn it into these life lessons. You know, yeah. one, I, when I'm in a city, I don't drive with anybody unless I actually know you. I don't drive with anybody. It's not worth it for me. I will take an Uber. I will take a cab. I will call a cop to come and pick my ass up to get me from one location to the next. If I have to, I will not get in the car with somebody unless I know who you are. Like, you know, that was a death situation, dude. And I'm, re- I'm, I'm literally reading a headline. Like that, and it's so funny that you say that. A producer friend of mine whispers in my ear all the time. Picture the headline. Picture the headline. I was just going to say that. Picture the headline. I was in I was in Pittsburgh once, and I ended up going to dinner. This great little spot that's not great anymore, so I'm not even going to mention it. But ended up in the back room, like kind of. I, I don't I don't know what you'd call it. It was like a private dining room, but it was it was me. It was another guy from TV. It was a couple of other, you know, it was like some camera guys and it was like 10 of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it was kind of like they're this and this is going to sound fucked up because I hate this word and I'm sick and tired of reading this word. But it was like the celebrity back room. So we're back there. We're bullshitting with all these guys. We end up going to the casino with all the with a bunch of the Steelers. We get into there. Everybody's drinking. Next thing you know, out come the shots. Next thing you know, out comes more booze. Next thing you know, out comes the phones. Everybody starts taking pictures. This guy walks over to a couple of the guys and he looks at him. He's like, remember, boys, we're not doing any tweeting and we're not doing any Instagram tonight. Right. And the guy was like, yeah, 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 right. You're right. You're right. Whatever the guy's name was. And the guy kind of walks away. I'm like, who is that? And he's like, he's the guy who keeps us out of trouble. Right. He's the guy who keeps us out of trouble. Like, I think we all need to. You need that? Do we need that now? <laughs> Some, sometimes, dude. I mean, look, uh, we we had I had a lot of fun with you when we were in King of Prussia. Yep. At the Valley Forge Taste, we weren't yep. the smartest of individuals. No, definitely not. Yeah, and and I say that all the time because things could be also taken so out of context in situations like that too. You know, and and that's I think. Again, it goes back to protecting your image, image management, and controlling your content. You know, it's so you have to be so careful. Even, and I think I told you this. I'm, I'm good friends and the chef for the Dosecchi's guy. Whenever we would go out, I would never drink a Corona. I drink Corona when I go, so I would always have to drink red wine or something else because 
he couldn't have a Corona bottle at the table, you know? Right. So a lot of times it, it goes as simple as that. Like if you look at any picture of me in any kind of anything, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere you see a picture, you'll never see a brand or any kind of alcohol in my hand. I always put stuff down, hide my hands, blah, blah, blah. But it's so true that we have to be careful for everything that we do because you're in the public eye, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. So, so how did you get to, how did you get here? I mean, so first off, okay. So you're from Harlem. That's where you grew up, right? I, yep. I was born in Harlem, raised out on Long Island. And then, uh, when it was the weirdest thing, when I was 13 years old, I was hanging out with guys that were all older than me. They all worked in an Italian restaurant and they said, come work at this Italian restaurant. I said, I'm 13. They're never going to give me a job. They said, they're not going to ask you for your age. Just come be a dishwasher. I, I got the job. And then uh, I worked there for about three years, four years. And then I went to culinary school up at Johnson & Wales. I actually did four years, Johnson & Wales, graduated with uh, two associates and a bachelor's. Nice. Got out of there and uh, opened up restaurants, traveled across the country. I lived in Breckenridge, Colorado. I lived down in Seabrook Island, South Carolina. And then I just started traveling the world, Spain and all over, learning about different cuisines. I I love the islands. I go to the islands a couple times a year, um, my whole, entire life, and just learning different, you know, everything. Learning about the people, learning about different foods, and all that. And and then about ten years ago, I sold one of my restaurants. And uh, when I sold my four, I guess that was my fourth restaurant. When I sold it, I had money in the bank, didn't know what to do, and I met a gentleman from the Food Network. And he said, let's, uh, let's do some work together. And one thing led to another that started coast to coast cuisine. I've worked on chilling and grilling, which still airs down in the Caribbean, which so a lot funny. of people recognize me in Mexico and South America and the islands. Right. And, uh, it's the weirdest thing. And then, uh, and then this locavore thing started, you know, this locavore life started and, uh, I've been running with that. So, and it's been a blessing with, like I said, great people around me and great agents and great PR people and assistants and all that stuff. It's just been amazing, you know, so and how, how did the, how did the world of, of kind of food shows and not food shows, meaning food network or any of that stuff. I'm talking about stuff like the tape, just, just so everybody knows. So Eddie and I met at a festival that's called, that's called the taste festival. And we met in Philadelphia um, or actually in Valley Forge, which is put on by a, a wonderful couple, uh, Chris and Dina. They're great people. And uh, and I met you through there, and that's a food festival. I mean, it's it's a whole bunch of different vendors that come around. It's all the chefs that are there do tables. A bunch of the chefs, you know, some of the higher profile chefs get to do demonstrations and stuff like that. How did that part of your life, how, how, did, how did that come to? Well, I, everybody always asks, you know, how did you get to all my chef buddies, which I know your chef buddies, my buddies that are stuck on the line at 30, 40, 50 years old. And they're like, how the hell did you pull this off? And a lot of it is luck and it's being at the right place at the right time. I was, I, I had a producer friend of mine that had a cancellation on, um, on the Maria Bartiroma's summer on the street series. So he called me and he said, would you be interested? I was in the Bahamas at the time. And he said, would you be interested tomorrow, Friday, being on Maria Bartiroma's show? You know, it's 250 million households, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, absolutely. So I 
packed up. I wasn't supposed to leave till Sunday. Got on a plane, came up to New York, went on Maria Bartiroma's show. And from that came Disney three months later. From that came Cisco, who I'd already had a relationship with, but they wanted to become more involved. So it was like one thing led to another. And then the Food Network had asked me to do the New York City Food and Wine Festival. Then I did the Atlantic City Food and Wine Festival, which is where I met Chris and Dina. And that was, I think, nine years ago already. So I've been with them with Atlantic City and Philadelphia for nine years. And then I was asked to do the Super Bowl uh, nine. It'll be nine years this year. So I do culinary events with the Taste of the NFL and with Prime Sports and NFL Network. So I... Like it just one thing, you know, happened into the next. So I do 30 food and wine festivals a year, those live culinary events for the last 10 years. And then my event company, which also does food and wine festivals, and then the production side of stuff, I said, you know what? It doesn't make sense for these two things to be separate. Let's put them together, which is where, again, intoxicating productions came in. And that's the production company that, that does everything. It's, it's an a la carte company that does everything. So your part, your part within taste of with Atlantic city, Philadelphia and Lancaster, are, are you a part of the production end of that? Or are you just there as, as the personality? Well, do you know, Brian, I don't know his last name off the top of my head, but Brian has been doing the production for them for 15 years. Oh yeah. So, he's a good and, egg. I like him. Oh man. But he's like the him. one that got, he's the one that got Bobby Flay started. Uh, uh, not Bobby Flay. Uh, Robert Irvine started uh, down in New Jersey and Guy right. Fieri. So those guys got their career started and it, it kind of, you know, it's, I, I feel bad for guys like Brian and I love Brian to death, but you know, they got left at the altar, you know, you're sure. working with a personality and you're thinking that you're going to take that ride with them as long as that ride goes. And then, you know, the ride leaves without you. It's kind of a, it's something that if you sit down and talk to Brian over a couple of years, he talked about, and I think in particular with, with Irvine, because I think they were all so close and they had done so much together, right. you know, and it kind of, that's, I think the bad part of this business is unfortunately people get left behind and it's not intentional but I think it's almost like stepping stones to the next level. And I know that sounds horrible because you no, love to take everything with you, you know, so. it's the truth though. I mean, it's the way that it works. You know, I, I mean, even for my show, my, my assistants, whoever works with me during that time frame on this show on Duff live, they receive a percentage of sponsorship because they work their asses off. You know, I mean, they really work their asses off. It's a lot of work to get guests together and do that stuff. And I offer, and I do a percentage for, uh, whenever we have, whenever the sponsorships come through, and when when those sponsorships pay out, whoever works with me, be to be be it my illustrator, my graphic designer, they all get a percentage of the show. So when this when this you know when the show is profitable, they get percentages of it. You know, what I mean, that's just that's the way it. that it works, really and that's brilliant. Idea. Well, brilliant I mean, it's idea. you know, I mean, but, but look. It, it's a podcast. It's not like this is a massive radio show. You know, it's not like I've got sponsors that are just hanging out, you know, and, and I'm talking about 10 different sponsors a show. and We're getting a grand, a, you know, a grand a piece per episode. It doesn't happen that way. You know, this is a grassroots process and, and I'm lucky enough to have people that want to work with me. Look, the producers, you know, that, that do the show, they don't make any money unless we have sponsorships and they take an hour to two hours to three hours out of their life a week to do shows with me. 
you know, I mean, and they're, and they're, they're, you know, I mean, right now, I mean, Jason's on right now. Jason's back there. I said to him today, can we hop on at one o'clock? No problem. We got it. You know, he hops right on Maggie. I get her images and she does it. You know, you sent me your image this morning at 1130. I sent it through to her and she says to me, Hey Brian, I'm really sorry. I can't get it to you until tomorrow night. And I'm like, don't apologize. You have a job and you have a career and you have all the other shit that you do. And then my web girl is the same way, you know? Now, Michelle's a little bit different because some of the stuff that we do with her, but but it's, you know, I mean, people are stopping what they're doing to to execute a show that airs for an hour to an hour and a half, you know, on a Friday morning. Right. So, and that goes back think. to what I was saying. The greatest thing about what you and I have and a lot of these successful chefs have is that we have a great network of people that truly believe like sometimes Absolutely. like there's meetings that are a Chef Eddie G meeting that I'm not even in. You know, and I'm like, this is so weird, you know, like I get updates on meetings about me, you know, and it's, it's an honor when any, whenever, even if you speak on my behalf to anybody, it's, to me, it's such an honor that you spoke well on my behalf or represented me on my behalf, you know, and, and I can't say that enough with the people that don't even want to be in front of the camera, don't even want to, don't even want the accolades, you know, they just want to be there to, to help with the events and, I have this guy, I think I told you, J- James out of Miami with Karen and Tom, I have to name the other two, but they, they all have like a, a job with what we're doing and the, the love that they have for me. And it's just such a great feeling to like, I, I feel like I owe it to them to be on my best all the time and to bring out new menu items. Here's one of the things I don't know whether you saw, I made a um, pumpkin barbecue sauce at the, uh, I did a pumpkin puree. I, I roasted the yeah. pumpkin down. And then I did that with, uh, Tyson had sent me a bunch of pork. So I did a pulled pork with this, with this, uh, pumpkin barbecue sauce and it came out incredible, you know, and like little stuff like that. Like I, I, I got shrimp to Las Vegas for the Las Vegas food and wine festival. And I did a cactus. I used local cactus, cactus and uh, shrimp ceviche. I did. And people were talking about it for weeks. I get calls and all this stuff. But I, I think I'm inspired by the people that are around me, you know, like I want to, even you, I want to impress you with my culinary, you know, with whatever. And yeah. it's funny too. And I say this all the time. You're only, it's almost like pitching. You're only as good as your last performance. You know, Absolutely. you have to, we have to be on fire all the time. You know, yeah. we can't mess up. Yeah. It's, it, it's a, it's a tough world. I mean, to get out there and be able to, and to do that stuff all the time. You know, I have a demo that I do for events like this. It's, it's, it's pretty much the same demo each time, but you know what? It's engaging. It's educational. It's fun. I can adapt it to whatever, whatever situation or whatever, wherever I am, you know, we're doing stuff with G love uh, the last couple of times that we've done it. Like I poach an egg in his sauce, you know, it's a variation of what I do, but I'm, I'm trying to adapt to whoever is there. And that's why, you know, I mean, like your demo was awesome, man. I had a blast. I stood in the back. I don't know if you saw me. I was over at my table hanging out with my, my crew. Cause I wanted them to see what was going on as well. And you know, it's fun to watch and it's fun to watch other chefs, especially after you get to know them, watch them get up and do their craft. That's the fun part for me. 
it's the truth. And it's, it's wild because it's very difficult to be a personality. You have a very strong personality. When you're on stage, you don't need an MC. You can just run with the ball. <laughs> I have a strong personality, but I like to play off of somebody. You know, you could just go on your own and be gone, you know, and I like to play with somebody. I like to have a back and forth, a banter almost, if you will. But the bigger thing is also to be able to produce food while you're talking, while while you're, while you're entertaining. So for us, it's a, you know, it's, it's a challenge and it's something that thank goodness we've gotten better every, every performance, every time I'm like, wow, you know, I really, I hit that one, even the way that the final plate comes out, you know, and. And did you get your point across and did you get all your talking points in and all that stuff, you know? So, but and there's a lot the of them, to- dude. There's a lot of talking points that you've got to go through when we do this stuff, especially if you have sponsors. I mean, for you, you have sponsors that you work with. You work with certain products that you've got to talk about, that you've got to mention. Yep, without a doubt. Like, and here's one. When we were at the Vegas Food and Wine Festival, they spent 18, Tyson Foods spent $18,000 worth of products for the Las Vegas. one of them was a new it's a it's a french spare rib they call it and it's gorgeous and it's brt'd it's absolutely incredible looking and i worked with that product almost and i cooked it four or five different ways in las vegas and it was wild because you have to make sure every time the camera is on you that you go back to say you know the french cut spare rib for tyson food you know you want to you want to include your sponsor that just spent $20,000 on. Sure. And and, and to do that without having it seem like it's a commercial. Correct. You know, instead of, you know, Cisco, 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 you're really, and there's an art in that itself. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to do. I I mean, I love doing demos. I love getting up. I love incorporating people into it. And you said, I mean, I, I don't need to share my, you know, like, like for the, for the taste stuff, I love guy to death, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't need him there, you know? And he's so funny. Cause this time he just sat in the back. He was so, I was laughing every time I looked back, he had his feet up on the chair at one point. He had his hands behind his head. He had the microphone resting on his chest. He was so damn funny, but, but at the same time, I'm up on a stage with a, with an international recording guy. I'm up on stage with G love. Right. You know, right. and he's your, he's your other side of the coin, right? He was you my other side of the coin. Yeah. Right. So right. it's kind of fun, but it's, yeah, cause when you I, need, you almost need somebody to refer back to. You're also, you're engaging with your audience that's live in front of you, which we both love to do because yes. that's the thing with TV is they love to be around us. We love to be around them, you know, whatever it is, taking pictures with them, whatever they want to follow your life. They feel like they know you, which is unbelievable, but you need somebody to refer to and you have G love and it was the perfect mixture. You no, know, the perfect mix. Yeah, we, we did. We, we had a lot of fun and he's been, he was great. He, he was great to do stuff with. And, you know, I mean, for, for him to be up there and, and he's even, you know, and I'm always like, dude, are you cool? Are we good? Did we, you know, where are you come from? And he's like, I just, I just want to make sure like we were good. Like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, you got him. You played a song that nobody's ever heard before. You literally did like a, like a, like a, like a, you know, a release of a song while we were up there and he sang it to my mother at that point, you know, like that was pretty cool. So there was a lot of fun stuff to do with that. But so, so what's going on for you now? Where are you moving into? What's your, you're leaving for Vegas tomorrow. 
Yep, Vegas tomorrow, dealing with the, uh, the new event that we're going to do out there. We are going to do a Las Vegas food and wine festival, so I'm going to look at uh, venues out there and uh, talk to some of my sponsors about next year's sponsorship opportunities. And then uh, I'm down in Miami uh, with Chef Uniforms, just gave me a whole new uh, wardrobe, which I'm very thankful for. So I'm doing a photo shoot down there right around Christmas. and. Uh, doing some uh, meeting with some sponsors and we're doing a small party down there, a small tasting. And then I am out to the Rose bowl. So I probably get out to LA and we're filming local boy life while I'm out there. So, uh, and then I'm out for the Rose bowl and then, you know, the season kicks right back in again. So, and you know, just getting intoxicating productions is the biggest thing is to get this thing right. So that we have a great 2018 with, with the, uh, with, with everything that we're doing. That's cool, dude. That's cool. Well, Eddie, and dude, I really... Things, here's that? one other thing that I wanted to tell you about, and I could tell you off the air, but it's so cool, is the data analytics now for these live food and wine festivals. And that's one of the things is the technology side of oh, yeah. these events, not only monetizing our demos, but also finding out the demographics of who's enjoying your demos and, and that. Because our demographic, for the most part, is a female 21 years old to 91 years old. That's your and I demographic. And when you can get out of our demographic and on the sports side, that's where, uh, that's where the other marketing dollars come in. Yeah. All right, brother. Uh, thank you so much, man, for taking time out of your day and hanging out and chatting. And I'm stoked to, uh, I can't wait to get out to see you. Um, you know, we got to catch up next time. I'll be in New York Thursday and Friday. You'll be in Vegas. So it's like all my other friendships that I typically have. Where are you? It's funny you said Irvine because Irvine's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. And I, I, I tweeted him because he tweeted to one of my buddies and me about something. I was like, when are we doing the show? And he replied back the exact answer that I get to from most of my chef buddies, which is when are we ever in the same city at the same time? You know, right. it's so few and far between. So, um, but, uh, but dude, Hey, thanks so much for hopping on uh, safe travels out there in Vegas and have a happy new year and, and a successful going into 2018. And I'm stoked for you and I to do some fun stuff together and have a good time. Yeah, and we'll definitely have a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Without a doubt, we'll have a lot of stuff to do together. So, all right. So do me a favor one more time, tell everybody how they can get in contact with you. Everything is chef Eddie G. And then the only thing is Twitter is Eddie G Chef. That's right. All right, brother. Take care of everything. Have a great trip. And uh, I'll talk to you this week. Yep. Have a great day. See, there we go. Those are quality individuals right there. That's a guy like Eddie G. This guy, you know, you never know the way or the world that this industry is going to take you. And for me, it was such a big Uh, You know, I mean, I I went to culinary school. I was like 19 years old. I wasn't really 100% sure what it was that I was going to do. Um, I I knew that I enjoyed cooking. I knew that I enjoyed, uh, you know, the process of being in a kitchen and 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 the the immediate the 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 instant gratification that we receive from being in this industry, you cook a meal, you put it on a plate, you send it out to somebody. And for all intents and purposes, you could look through that window and watch that person eat it. And you know, whether or not they like it, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole different world with that. And then from there, we start to do this extra stuff. You know, I look at a lot of young chefs that are out there right now that are starting to do demos and starting to do that local TV, which is exactly where I started to do stuff. And, and I, and I really enjoyed it. You know, I mean, I had a blast kind of putting it together and and doing it. I remember the first TV show that I was ever on. It was Fox 
in Philadelphia. And um, they called me and said, hey, can you do a, a segment on Memorial Day? And I thought, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. Absolutely. 100%. What do you need from me and what do you have there? And this was – they said, well, we don't really have anything. So whatever you're going to do, we need you to do a grilling segment. So I remember going to my parents' house. I remember getting the grill and borrowing my buddy's truck and throwing the grill in the back of the truck and driving into Center City, Philadelphia, unloading the truck, unloading all my food you know, and doing all that stuff to where I am now or what I do now, which is – you know, I, I think about the the process. I think about how am I going to get it there? What's going to be there prior to me being there? I have all these questions and, you know, it's just kind of fun to see it. I mean, I, you know, I'm a chef. I have a consulting business now. I have a, a you know, some swag stuff with t-shirts and hats and spices that I love that people buy, by the way, at stuffified.com. If you want to get over there and check out the spice line, um, which we're growing the spice line to be a whole new kind of world from the individual one that I have right now into a barbecue rub. We're doing a series of healing spices as well. Spice, you know, spices and herbs that are good for you. Um, stuff that has a bunch of different salts added into it and as and and a bunch of different healing herbs and whatnot that are going in just because look we're we're in a healthier world than we were before so i never knew this is where i would end up i never knew that i'd be hanging out with guys like Eddie G i never knew that i'd be having conversations with Kev DeShane or you know Irvine or you know any of those guys it was just not a world that i ever thought that i would be in but but here we are and it's kind of fun and and a lot of that has to be uh, brought back out to you guys to thank you guys for all that because if it wasn't for you, I would have no platform. I wouldn't have something to speak about. I wouldn't have um, something or, or a place to to get this outlet going. So, so I thank you guys for that as well. And uh, so that's where we're going to kind of end it up. We're going to close it off at uh, uh, episode thirty-seven of Duffified Live. I got to thank a couple of people. One, I have to thank Eddie G. Check him out at uh, at Chef Eddie G on Instagram and uh, Facebook. You can also check him out on Twitter at Eddie uh, G Chef, which drives me crazy, and I know it does him as well because we're all about branding. Um, you can find me at Chef Bride Duff, C-H-E-F-B-R-I-D-U-F-F, on Instagram, Twitter, and all the other fancy outlets that are out there. Facebook is Chef Brian Duffy. It's just the way that it works. Uh, do me a favor. Check out some of the people that I work super close with, like RadioInfluence.com, the guys that put this show together every single week and deal with all my bullshit. They're awesome. They have a series of podcasts that they do and radio shows and whatnot and real lives. And get over to RadioInfluence.com and check out some of the other people that they get to talk with every week and see some of the other shows that they produce. We have to thank Techno Solution, uh, Michelle out there who takes care of my website for me and puts all that stuff together. She's an amazing individual and a purely wonderful, wonderful woman. And then the always talented unbelievably beautiful Maggie Gagliardi who Maggie takes care of all of my illustrations and the promo pieces that are going on. And I love watching a lot of the stuff that she has. Um, she created this uh, awesome little sketch of, uh, this guy spaghetti man, um, which was just accepted into the SILA, uh, illustration, uh, festival, which is out I don't know 100% where it is. It's the Society of Illustrators of Los Angeles. And Maggie is a very talented, talented person. Um, and I appreciate all the hard work that she does with my show and all my promo pieces. So definitely check these people out. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at MagsArt, M-A-G-Z-A-R-T. Guys, have a wonderful week. I have some pretty awesome guests coming on in the next couple of weeks. I've got some Hell's Kitchen people. Um, 
We've got a super cool bartender. I have a mixologist who does nothing but work with weed. Uh, we're going to have a big marijuana conversation in the next couple of weeks that I want some people to get involved in because now we're kind of getting into a world where we're looking at it becoming much more mainstream. It's not just that hidden thing that your parents are doing on the back porch anymore. It's really, really a mainstream thing, and we've got to embrace it, and we've got to move forward and, and go from there. So a lot of fun stuff coming up on Duffified Live. Thank you all so much for an awesome week. I appreciate it. I love you. Have a great week. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.